0: And welcome to another exciting episode of the only podcast on your Monday mornings where we take three X-Men stories and rank them from best to worst on our big old list of every X-Men story ever. This is Battle of the Atom, and I am your co-host, Zach Jenkins. With me today, yesterday, and every day is Adam Rack. Adam, how are we doing today?
1: I'm good. I'm feeling friendly. I'm feeling in the neighborhood. I'm... I'm ready to get into these yeah, stories. It sounds,
0: like, it sounds like you're feeling like what some would call the greatest X-Men character ever. That is, of course, Spider-Man.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, we've we've got some good Spidey stories today. We have a Spidey episode, so I'm excited we about We do. This.
0: Spider-Man has teamed up with the X-Men several times over the course of yeah. time and space, I guess, of like the last sure. 50-something years. Let's be Let's be frank. Mm-hmm. But it's... Interesting. Now, before we jump into this, Adam, what's your what's your relationship with Spider Man? How do you how do you feel about old Webhead?
1: I, I love Spider Man. Um, I remember specifically, you know, having been a child of the '90s, like I was there when Todd McFarlane was doing the big relaunch. Um, you know, that was its own weird thing. I really like the the Wolverine Spidey uh, uh, story in in that uh, solo title, but I remember really enjoying, um, I think it was Eric Larson was doing bi-monthly for a really long time after McFarlane left amazing. So I remember reading big chunks of that arc. Um, I mean, Spider-Man is just a really great character. And uh, I think you could do a lot worse than just going back to Amazing Spider-Man number one, and reading through the entire Stanley, Steve Ditko, and John Romita runs—it's—it's uh, it's pretty amazing classic comics. So I love it. Yeah, how about you? you? know,
0: I—I I like Spidey. Like, I probably like Spidey more than your average person. Like, let's take a poll of Americans. I'm probably in the top ten percent of Spider-Man fans. Not necessarily <laughs> based on how much I love him, because I, I like Spider-Man. I think he's really cool. I know a good amount about him. Mm-hmm. But he's not like – like I don't look for it. I don't pick up Amazing. I don't look forward to reading that. My core Spider-Man is the Brian Michael Bendis Ultimate Spider-Man. That's
1: oh, – OK. That's a great yeah, series. So I was
0: like 9, 10 when those – I was about 10 when those trades were coming out. Like the first ones ate that mm-hmm. up. Some of the first comics that I really dug into was like the first three or four trades of that series. And I, I reread it a couple of years ago. It's very good. It turns out.
1: Yeah, it, holds yeah up. it
0: turns out this this Bendis guy might have a career in front of him.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, who <laughs> knows? He might end up uh, doing some super stuff.
0: <laughs> some super super stuff. Uh, yeah. So, two quick <laughs> programming notes about this episode. This, like a lot of our episodes recently and in the near mm-hmm. future, <laughs> and even the farther off future, came from our lovely supporters on Patreon.com. That is people like Matthew Darlish, who gave us two bucks every month and said, or more, and said, "Hey, I'd I'd like you to take this suggestion of mine and craft a beautiful, unique snowflake of an episode around it." So, number one, (laughs) thank you, Matt. Thank you. Number two, uh, the other programming note we are recording this late. There has been a lot of travel in my life and you did not want me to record from an airport and Matt's had a, Matt is just going to listen to this. Adam has had a busy day. So (laughs) things like that aren't going to get edited out of this episode where I just called my co-host the wrong name. We're just going to run with it and hope that we don't screw up too much.
1: Yeah, I think we'll be okay. You know, um, so, what do we want to We're start, gonna start with?
0: going to start with Matt's suggestion. This is a story from 1995. It is Spider Man Team Up number one featuring X Men in a story called yeah. Double or Nothing. This was written by <laughs> Mark Wade and Tom Pyre with art by Ken Lashley.
1: Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like we're very um for for those of you that have not read this this is about as on brand for the 90s as you can get um we're definitely like you know trying to latch into that animated series market here with the you know the jim lee character designs the the imagey art and it's got a uh, what would you say the plot of this issue is zach it's um it's relatively simple
0: so Spider-Man is dealing with the Clone Saga, oh boy. as he was wont to do. It's very
1: mopey in this issue. He is.
0: Okay, I'm going to be real honest. I've read this thing twice. I read it uh, about a year ago before we even had the idea of this podcast in my head, and then I read it uh, before I started this. Mm-hmm. I thought this was Ben Riley the whole time. I'm gonna be real honest.
1: Oh, okay. I okay.
0: I really thought I read this as it being Ben Riley and I was like, Yes, all this tracks cause he's upset about clone stuff. Yeah. And all of this and Look, the Marvel Wikia is saying that Spider Man Peter Parker is in this. I do know that issue two does have Ben Riley, so maybe I don't know what's going on. But you know, shame on you, Mark Wade, for not making that clear enough.
1: <laughs> I think it's definitely Peter because he's he's spending most of his time complaining about Ben Riley. And then at the end of the episode I think he tries to peg uh what happens to J. Jonah uh, onto Ben Riley. So um, but you'd be forgiven i mean this is in the midst of the clone saga mess um which i i think by this point had gone from intriguing to complete nonsense (laughs) so what is going on uh yeah so and
0: it's it's nonsense on the x-men side of this too because the the whole plot is about shinobi shaw the black king and benedict kine the white king hmm I don't know who that is. (laughs) I know he appeared in an annual of adjective list, And I know that because he He has like, he has like, uh, not ninja guys. He has, he has 90 guys, Uh, right? He has, he has his own private army and he sends his army and Shinobi Shah sends his ninja army and they have to kill J Jonah Jameson for reasons.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think that it's inherently a a bad idea for a story, you know, like um, protecting J. Jonah Jameson is a time honored fun idea for a Spidey story. And you cross over with this Hellfire Club upstart type stuff. But, you know, the villains here are just um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're just bland. Yeah, they're bland. They're, They're, you know, knockover um stuff like you know i think i've mentioned this before but on animated gi joe you have like the cobra droids that are there just to get shot and that's essentially what we're dealing with here we're dealing with these very stereotypical there one uh there's a group of ninjas there's a group of guys with like uh, big giant staff blades and they're just there so that there can be some fight scenes there's not a lot going on here plot wise
0: no it's weird like look the x-men that are in this book, it is Cyclops, Phoenix, Beast, Archangel, and Psylocke, but they are just kind of there. Yeah, like there. There's times when you read a guest spot in another book, and the whoever's guesting, they fill a role. Like they're they're there to have an appearance, to you know, just show up, get their gets wolverine's face on a book is it weird that wolverine's not in this i feel like if you're trying to sell a book
1: it's a little strange it's a little strange it was
0: the 90s
1: i i don't think it's more strange than the the uh story entry point for the x-men here is that they are going to see a broadway show and instead of it being cats um i guess they didn't want to risk pissing off the creators of cats (laughs) they go to see dogs (laughs) which is like a joke that it kind of lands i don't know it's it's a very strange uh idea for for that part of the story but yeah i do think it's a little strange you know that we're definitely pumping this animated series vibe here but no wolverine no wolverine yeah uh, now, No Jubilee. Out of, I, X-Men,
0: out of these x-men i think beast psylocke and archangel would go see a broadway play i think gene would go if she was dragged to it i Cannot believe that Cyclops would do this willingly.
1: <laughs> hey, who knows? He doesn't seem—he doesn't seem like the musical theater kind of guy. I don't he know. Just, you know, I just realized looking at this lineup, it's essentially the O five. I, I didn't even think about that while I was reading it, but uh, yeah, just with you Betsy know, the
0: Iceman flipped.
1: Yeah, might Which as well, look the X Factor.
0: Yeah, I, I'd deal with that. I was actually. In my ever ever going saga to read all of the Silver Age X Men, which I'm done. Wow, I'm done. Congratulations! i think I'm done with. I think I'm done with every Silver Age and Silver Age based story in there. <laughs> all That's I can impressive. think the time is, man, if there's like just another female character for Jean to interact with, or for anyone to interact with, I think things would be better. Like Polaris oh, in her few Silver Age appearances makes makes things better yeah.
1: yeah but i don't think we should be waiting anytime soon for silver age x-men to like pass the bechdel test um that's just you know it's I mean, a, yes it is a very disappointing product of its time um so i do i want to highlight um uh, a moment in this story that i really really uh liked and i think i, I mentioned a bit on twitter earlier this week which is there is a, a mention to pogs in this issue um (laughs) which if, if i don't know if people like really remember what pogs were but and even when they were a thing i think they were extremely confusing i never quite understood why people wanted them or what you were supposed to do with them but there's a great panel of spidey leaping off a rooftop And saying so what are we pogs and i just think that that poses a very strange existential question that we should maybe uh be haunted by for the rest of our years
0: (laughs) i mean it's like are we pogs are we human are we dancer i just i don't understand what (laughs) people are
1: yeah it's great there's a there's another moment where spidey uh jokes with cyclops that like What does he say to him? Like, I thought you weren't supposed to be fun. Or what is the oh, here it is. Uh, you're a lot more fun than people say. Like that's there's some nice little character exchanges in here, but there's this is completely necessary.
0: Yeah, like Mark Wade is in general a pretty good writer. Tom Pyre's a pretty good writer, but this book did nothing for me. Like Ken Lashley, who's an artist that over the last couple of years, I've absolutely loved his stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, his his stuff, especially on Buns Uncanny during the IVX era, was really good stuff. This isn't. This is, dude, cashing in a paycheck, drawing some X Men, and he's not bad. It's just he's not special.
1: Well, it's <laughs> it, you it, know in his it. career too. So and, and oh yeah. He's- He's doing a, a sort of 90s house style. Um, you know, you've been uh, tweeting quite a bit recently about uh, freebie comics that you might get at Taco Bell or Pizza Hut. And th- this feels like that. This feels like a, a gimme grab bag, you know, free thing that you might see in a, a, a poly polybagged wizard magazine or something like that. It, it you know, doesn't have a, a great deal of substance. It's a little fun. Um, but uh, I, I'm a little confused as to where to rank it.
0: Here's what I'm looking at. Uh, right now, we have 75 stories on our list. Number one being yeah. Days of Future Past. Number mm-hmm. 75 being Unmentionable. And <laughs> I'm, I'm scrolling up this list. Uh, like, I would rather reread that Phalanx Covenant. Uh, oh yeah. With Wolverine and Wolverine and Cable in it. That was more fun than this. Sure. I. Yeah. I would probably read at number 62 that Storm uh, solo story, mm-hmm. the, her going to Africa and life-deathing def- things up. Heck, I'd, I would probably read the uh, – I'd, I'd probably read No More Humans Again over this, which is at 64. I, I, what's
1: I don't your know form? if this is I don't as know. bad – Yeah, I I don't know if it's as bad as the uh, the ultimate X-Men sinister uh, arc, you know, like this does introduce, uh, you know, this Benedict. I know it's not his first appearance, but, you know, it does have some nonsensical uh, Hellfire Club characters. But, you know, it's still a fun, silly kind of 90s. Let's go fight some ninjas type story. So I feel like substance wise, it, it sort of feels a little bit more like X-Men volume two, 10 to 11, which I think we agreed, you know, it's a little bit lesser on the Jim Lee art scale and doesn't have a lot of actual content to it. Um, so that's kind of where I'm looking on the list.
0: I would, I would go one below that. Cause I, because of stairs, look, stairs is really good. Like here's the <laughs> thing. I know I read this Spider-Man team up story beforehand. Cause I have the floppy. Mm -hmm. no recollection of it whatsoever. Like it it
1: doesn't make an impression.
0: It went in my eyeballs and immediately out. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm going to remember stairs. I'm going to remember stairs.
1: Let's do that. Let's do 67 then because, um, you know, this has its own moment with Pogs, and <laughs> I think that's enough of a, of a milestone there, little if touchstone.
0: It, if it's good enough for you, it's good enough for me to be our new yeah. number 67 on this list, Spider-Man team-up number one. Very now, cool. our next story, we move right along, and we go to another Spider-Man book. This is actually a Spider-Man Annual, a web of Spider-Man Annual. Ooh. This is from 1986. Now, there are two stories in this annual, but we only cover in the one of them that's relevant to us. And that is a story called Wake Me Up, I Gotta Be Dreaming.
1: (laughs) I do think it's worth noting, though, before we talk about the story that we're going to rank, that the second story in this annual is a very, very early Mike Mignola's illustration. I'm sorry, what? uh, Piece. Yeah.
0: I just didn't read it. I didn't think it would be good. I looked at the cast list on Marvel Wikia and I said, I don't want to read a Hobgoblin story. I didn't realize it was an Anacenti Mike Mignola. Okay,
1: I don't want you to get too excited, though, because this is very early Mignola. Um, And from my recollection, he had been spending a lot of his time in the beginning of his career inking. um, And, you know, he was allowed to do pages here and there. It's certainly not the Mike Mignola that we know and love. Um, he has not adopted his style. He's trying to do a more of a house style. Um, so you could probably skip that. I'm but what you can't skip is this issue, uh, which is Ann and our fave uh, Art, Adams Art Adams doing is very a whole of Warlock.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. This is a story about Warlock and TV and wanting mm-hmm. to help people and warlock kind of he gets he gets his circuits kind of blown he gets he gets his mind a little bit scrambled and then warlock becomes both godzilla and king kong and goes <laughs> a little cuckoo around the city and it's all drawn this by art adams <laughs> that's amazing yeah and
1: it- and this is a great little combo of, uh, of two things. One if this does have, uh, you know, and you can't really blame her because it's an Ascenti, but it has a lot in common with the new mutant summer special. Um, because the whole beginning of the book is, is about the new mutants complaining that Warlock's only viewpoint on the world is what he's seeing on TV, what he's seeing through the media. And it causes Warlock to, you know, go and try and experience the world around him. Um, but it, it also reminds me a lot about the new mutants annual where he gets into it with impossible man and the whole issue is the two of them just becoming other things Mm -hmm. um so this is a real fun mix of those two things and it just it's happens to be in a a web of spider-man annual um there's also a a subplot about animal rights activists. You know, this is classic nascenti. if you're into that. That was
0: a very nascenti thing. Yes. I was, oh, yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is... Look, I, I get what you're trying to do. This is very heavy-handed, Anne. You know that, right? Like, I... I'm going to say something that I may regret. Oh, no. There are people who often complain that comics are too political and they're too over-your-face mm-hmm. about stuff and i disagree with those people immensely so i want that to preface everything i say this may be a little heavy-handed with its, with its political commentary <laughs> i'm not saying well, about the commentary and what it's trying to say if it's good bad or indifferent but it i would argue that parts of this do get in the way of the story and it's like okay i get what you're doing come on i did come here to see warlock be godzilla
1: um i've never really uh there are certain times in the writing where i feel like it gets in the way here you know i maybe i'm just immune to it because i'm a huge fan of her daredevil run um, where she occasionally does things like this um and and some of her other stories but i i think the warlock stuff here is is so much fun oh yeah Um, he gets to transform into david letterman (laughs) you said he You know, you mentioned Godzilla, King Kong. Um, So it's just kind of fun to see Warlock doesn't get a lot of solo adventures as part of his time with the New Mutants. And this is almost an opportunity for him just to kind of wander around and meet some people. And it's fun.
0: Yeah. Spider-Man doesn't factor into this all that much.
1: No, not at all. No, he thinks he's killed him at one point. um, And he's really sad about that. But I I
0: can't imagine any monsters out there listening to this who would think that killing Warlock is a good idea. Hi, Luke. But...
1: but I, I just love the fact that the the bookends of this story are that the new mutants really just want Warlock to kind of get a good night's sleep. Like it's not just about his worldview as a as an earth person, um, but he's just gotta like stop waking them up by watching fifty channels of TV. That so at the true. end it's great. He watches you know, he's tired himself
0: out. He watches a lot of simultaneous TV. Which seems silly to people, but then I do know I've had a TV on in my lap or in my phone in my hand, and maybe my tablet was open too. So maybe (laughs) I'm not the worst person to say. (laughs) Yeah, this is this is fun. I think if we had that New Mutants annual where I think it's annual number three where he fights the Impossible Man Mm -hmm. would go below that. I think this is a better version of the New Mutants Summer Special. Uh yes. partly because, look, I, Art Adams, dude, I mean, he's Art Adams. He's been putting out good work at a very slow pace for a long time.
1: Yeah, and we give him all the time he needs, you know. Like, <laughs> I think I wrote in my notes here a whole issue of Art Adams drawing Warlock being wacky. Sign me up look, in all caps.
0: Look, good Warlocks are very – it's not as – prevalent as I would want it to like you got guys who really do a lot with it I'm talking to your Sienkiewicz uh Brett Blevins heck look Rob Liefeld does a pretty decent warlock in his new mutant stuff and that may just be because I read new mutants last night uh (laughs) but like there's good there's good warlocks out there and then there's really bad ones like uh David LaFontaine in uh the new mutant series from a couple years back just kind of drew him as a stick person Which didn't work well or the – actually, no, the worst animated series Warlock. I understand that Mm. X-Men the Animated Series Season 4 had some budgetary issues that made things rough, but wow, Warlock looks bad yeah warlock well he's bad. one of
1: those characters that i don't know i love drawing warlock i think it's so much fun drawing you know this weird spazzy cartoon character with spikes coming out of his head and plates all over but i can see why he might be intimidating to some artists um but it, it, it strikes me as odd when when artists like can't get him right you know like you said that there do seem to be some really good model sheets out there for what he could be just based on sinkevich and um and Art Adams, too, you know, in the way that they draw him. But, you know, everybody's got their own style.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest. The moment you said, like, you started talking about writer or artists who do a good Warlock, I immediately saw Mike Minola's name next to uh, the other credits on this page. And I had to find if Mike Minola has ever drawn Warlock. And he has drawn.
1: I don't at, think so. He's
0: drawn Adam Warlock, who is worse. Uh-huh. Adam. Adam Warlock is the bad version of Warlock. <laughs> Even though I think he came first. It doesn't matter. Where should we rank this? A story.
1: Um, I like this. I think it's really fun. Um I I I mean, it's clearly not essential. This is like, you know, a really if you're a Warlock fan, if you're an Art Adams fan, you gotta track this mm-hmm. down. Um but it, you know, like in the realm of continuity for New Mutants or Spider-Man, it you know it's just like a light, fluffy thing that you could uh, get a hold of and, and enjoy. So, um, I don't know. I'm kind of looking around, maybe like uh, maybe Uncanny X-Men Men.
0: Where do we have um, men? Where do we have men at?
1: Is that at fifty?
0: Oh, yeah, that is at fifty. Uh, no. I'd like this better than what if the x-Men stayed in Asgard, which is at 51.
1: okay yeah I
0: I I think astonishing tales' mojo world is probably a better overall story even if that has some mm-hmm. parts that I don't necessarily love.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree um and this has a lot of really fun art which we agreed the jim lee arc around uh uncanny 275 we liked the art but we didn't love the story so this is probably a good place in the list i think it's just a matter of whether we do we like it you like men quite a bit i,
0: I do um, i like i um, like men for pretty much the same reasons i like this annual and look yeah. look you put rob life out against art Adams. it's not gonna be a pretty fight that's new that's that's heck you put
1: all respect to the You rap.
0: put an artist I really like like you put a Chris Batchelor against an Art Adams it's gonna be a tough one mm-hmm. so yeah I I'm pretty confident that we can put web of spider-man annual number two wake me up I gotta be dreaming in as our new number 49 that nice that leaves us with one one story left and this is this is a more recent one. This is the first two issues of Spider-Man and the X-Men which was written by Elliot Kalen of The Daily Show. He's a writer there or was a writer there. I don't know his current employment status, I'm going to be real honest. I didn't follow up. Uh, and uh, Elliot's also a podcaster. He has a show called The Flop House where they talk about bad movies. I did not. Yeah, I've oh. I've heard it's very good, but I'm going to be honest and they know this. When they listen, of course. Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of bad movie podcasts out there and I don't listen to any of them just because I like watching things before I talk about bad movies. Oh, wait. No, (laughs) I take that back. I did start listening to a podcast with a bad movie element. Not all bad movies. It's called Good Christian Fun. It's where these two Christians from uh, California review Christian pop culture. (laughs)
1: <laughs> sounds it fun.
0: is I'm, I'm gonna do a plug real quick here for it a free plug for him uh it's not there to you know just make fun of stuff or put down a religion it's not there to proselytize either it's just to take the facts as they are and say some of this stuff it's a little little odd a little out there
1: oh my goodness yeah. i can imagine um i well, I'll just say this isn't a plug because they don't need a plug because they're like the most popular podcast out there. But I am a huge fan of uh, How Did This Get oh, yeah. Made? Um, but uh, I, I'm sure they don't need anybody plugging them. They're uh, they're bigger than that. I mean, Jesus, they, they, so. got that, they got um,
0: that Casper mattress money, yeah, exactly. that NatureBox money, <laughs> all that, all that good stuff. Um,
1: all right. So I got I got some questions about this particular series because. Um, this is odd. It is, um, and I'm I'm just kind of curious if you have any insight on this. Um, being the ex the resident expert, was this intended to be a mini? Was this intended to be an ongoing series? Because it's such an untenable idea for a, for an ongoing series. Like you know that this is not going to work as a series. Yeah. Um. As a as a pick. and yet. How many issues of this are there? Six issues, I, I think. Okay, yeah. This right. was. I mean, was that the plan?
0: This came out December of fourteen, uh, and a, a good six-ish months later, Secret Wars happened. So they knew they they did this as a they did this as a gap filler between when Wolverine died,
1: for right. the
0: most part. So Wolverine and the X Men as the title just kind of stopped making sense and uh yeah secret wars which they just they just had to get there so they did this they pitched it as an ongoing like it was it, all all the marketing implied that it would be an ongoing series but yeah this is weird It it's a stealth mini it really is
1: because yeah and that that's fine i think it works a little bit better if that's part of the mission statement is that here's a mini series with spider-man leading uh you know, the, the rogues gallery, not the rogues gallery, the, the The sort of um, outcast. Yeah. The special class from Wolverine and the X-Men that that, that's a fun premise, you know, but the idea that this could be an actual series does not make a lot of sense uh, to me just in general. So I, I think putting it in that time concept uh, context makes a lot of sense. It's a,
0: it's a weird thing. So Spider-Man after, after Wolverine's untimely, you know, statuing, Uh, (laughs) a letter from Wolverine saying, hey, if I die, go be the guidance counselor at my school. I think there's a mole, which is a very bad premise. Mm. Like I get Spider-Man, you get a reason for Spider-Man to come to the X-Men. That's fine. But him on a secret mission to figure out which of the students, the students who the options are, of course, Ernst, No Girl, Hellion, Rock slide Shark Girl, Globby Herman, and Eye Boy. Which one of them is the secret mole that is going to try and take down the X Men? That's not a. That's yeah. Thug. This book isn't memorable because of the plot. It's not. It's memorable no. because Stegman the dinosaur man and Sauron the pterosaur <laughs> in shorts take over Staten Island, turn it into the new. Savage Land and have the, you know, very classic – now classic line of Spider-Man telling Sauron that, you know, with this technology, you could cure cancer. And Sauron says the – arguably the best comic book line in the world of, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs.
1: (laughs) there is something very very charming about this um i i love sauron in here i love Stegron. um i i love that there's like this weird sort of non-love triangle that gets developed with them and i shark don't like girl, the fact that shark girl um, is in... a
0: teenage girl like
1: it's very different from the way she's depicted in in wolverine and the x-men i just um i i appreciate that that she has something to do and is not just a background character. I, I do think that this, um, this series, if we want to call it that, or, or, or stealth mini has a lot of characterization problems. Oh yeah. Um, The fact that
0: none of the X-Men are written well.
1: Oof. Like I gotta say the storm here is really objectionable to me. Uh, the Um, Rachel
0: gray here. And this is a problem in the rest of the series. Even worse. Is very Mm. frustrating to me. Yeah. Everyone's written.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, it feels like he doesn't like the X Men.
0: It feels like he's writing this as someone who doesn't like X Men. In that, I I know he's going from a comedy aspect, so he's trying to play up different qualities like that. I I can appreciate and understand that, but it's not done well. I believe this was Elliot Kalin's first comic. And it's got some oh. bumps.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously some like really charming silliness about it with the, with the idea that your very first villain is going to be Sauron and we're going to do, I like, I, I think that premise is really fun. Um, I don't have any problem with it, but I, I think this may be the core issue is that a lot of the characters don't seem like they're themselves. Um, you know, I don't know storm to be, like this nagging, screaming uh, person, even if she's annoyed with you, that it just it doesn't ring true to who uh, we know these no, characters to be, quietly, and, and that Storm. that extends to
0: that's what Storm's going to do. If she's mad right, at you. you're just going to hear some yeah. crackling in the distance and say, "Oh, right, she's a goddess. I should not do these
1: things." <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot more subtle uh, than that. But um, I think that extends also to the rest of the the team on this book um you know we just saw and and i just want to take a second to kudos again to christina strain and company for wrapping up that amazing generation x run you know we saw who some of um you know, we, we saw I Boy come into his own on that, and, and what a writer can do when they're given some of these characters that, you know, have been background characters for so long, and you want them to get their due. Um, I don't think this is where these characters are getting their due. This is, you're right, a holdover. Yeah,
0: this is this isn't one of my favorites. Full disclosure: when I was I was buying I was buying monthlies at this time, I had the first two issues on my pull list, and I said I'm good. As much as, like, look, <laughs> it takes a lot for me to see a book that has Glob Herman in a starring role and say mm-hmm. pass. I have si- I since have gotten yeah. all of the rest of the floppies for my collection because I can't stand myself, and the entire series feels like this. It feels like the first draft of a stand-up set, like. He doesn't have Mm -hmm. this down to a tight five yet. I really feel like Elliot Kalen, like, look, he's a funny dude. He writes funny stuff. I know he has the capabilities. I don't think this is the best showcase for him. And you can see potential in it. Like, okay, I come back to it because it's the most prevalent thing here, but the friggin', you know, curing cancer dinosaur thing. That's a great line. It's made even greater by the line right after it where Stagron, who's feeling very belittled about his participation in this whole thing, and he just says quietly, we want to turn people into dinosaurs. Like there's <laughs> a lot of good good little punches, good little moments here and there, but the yeah. entire unit just doesn't come together. I mean Marco Falia's art, it's fine. It works for this. It's not – it's not perfect. I think he would do better in a different book.
1: Um, Yeah, I think the art is, is good. Um, I I think there's some really, really great stuff going on there with, with Marco's artwork. Um, I don't really take issue with that at all. I think all of this is trying, this is another issue I have with this is that it's, it seems like it's trying to capture a certain level of charm that people associate with jason aaron's wolverine (laughs) and the x-men um and i think that if you go back and read sections of wolverine and the x-men there are certain arcs that achieve that charm but then it it can be an uneven series if you go back and you read it um so this is trying to capture that feeling and it it, i I just don't think it does Uh, it it, 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 you know it doesn't quite get there
0: at all i i really do struggle with this series because there's so much about it that I want to like. There really is. You have multiple yeah. characters who you can see their insides. That's a that's an appealing thing in X-Men <laughs> to me. That sounds like a fetish. That's not the case.
1: Um <laughs> but- you could be a Glob Herman fan and not be like uh, turned on by. I don't mean, you That's got so Glob, it.
0: you got you got a No Girl, you got you got some good, mm-hmm. less than full bodied people. No, all all this is just coming out and making the whole podcast weird. Really wish I had time to edit it this week. Where should we rank this?
1: I don't know. I jeez. Where's um,
0: potential? I'm, but doesn't ooh. live up to it. Where is? That's a oh, great question. I got, I got one. Where,
1: where Is it better
0: looking? or worse than number 55 on our list? Uncanny X-Men 15.inh. The ladies' knights turns into inhumanity.
1: I... I would say that's better if solely because there's that scene with Emma Frost taking the giant duffel bag of money out of the closet, which is a damn fine scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't know that anything that's here lives good. up to that. Um, but I, I, I like where you're looking on the list. Um, you know, I think the, uh, the, what's that arc of that's XF5, the vegas right? one that's the vegas one where they go to vegas that's the vegas one i like this better than that really because i'll what be honest i
0: was looking at fatal attractions i think fatal attractions uh-huh. might be better
1: yeah okay and i, I don't I'll like fatal forward. attractions you know. like,
0: let's be clear i don't think that's i you liked that better than i did and i know you didn't like it very much either
1: well then how low do we want to go here um I think that this has the same sort of like non-essential kind of vibe to it as maybe like that Wolverine story with Logan and Kurt at the bar. You know, like good good stuff happening, but you know, and it has a few memorable. There's elements. a very
0: there's a very uh, there's a very oddly comparable quality in those two stories that you only remember for one thing. You remember cancer dinosaurs, and you remember uh, Nightcrawler's butt.
1: i i think this is better Um, than
0: that because this tells like it tells a full narrative that works a lot better than wolverine being very mopey about murdering people i would probably rather i would definitely rather reread that first juggernaut story because that thing as far look as far as silver age x-men goes that's pretty good
1: well i think that's probably a good place to put it is then in between uh the juggernaut and uh phalanx covenant yeah, final I sanction fair. um because I, I i think this yeah, is I mean, better than that no, but, that, than phalanx. that
0: phalanx covenant story is it sure is there
1: hmm. but it's just a thing yeah
0: so that that puts this <laughs> as our new number 60 on the list spider-man and the x-men one and two and that That does it. That wraps up this edit-free episode of Battle of the Atom. And if you liked this edit-free episode and would like to see it when we actually try to make this a better polished product, you can head on over to XavierFiles.com where we have all of the episodes of Battle of the Atom just out there. It also has weekly articles that I put up about different X-Men characters. Put up one today as we record it about Sunspot. And next week, I'm doing Forge, which will be very interesting because I have mixed feelings on that character.
1: (laughs) He's a mixed bag. He's a mixed bag.
0: Uh, You can also find me on Twitter at Xavier Files. And Adam, where, 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 where can people find you online?
1: Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacey. And I've got new pages of Bish and Jubes coming out every Monday um, on adamrec.tumblr.com. And uh, someone, I forget who it was, tweeted me that said they were starting to get really interested because of the page I uh, put up this past week with uh, the future Brotherhood characters. What I told him was, it just gets wackier from here. So tune in. It's going to get weird.
0: There's... (laughs) There's a page that Adam sent me, and I lost it when I saw it. <laughs> this, this arc, I have no idea where it's going, and I'm happy every second of it. So Yeah,
1: it's going to be a, a joy-filled ride, so I hope you guys It's going to be
0: in. good. Now, uh, everyone who is tuning in, this is all done with the support of our Patreons on Patreon, like we had previously talked about. Uh, if you want to join their mighty ranks, you can go on over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files. If you donate at the $2 a month or more level, you get to request a story for us to cover on a future episode. And we will you know, build that entire episode around that. So it'll be good. It'll be good stuff. Until then, this was this was a good episode. I was happy about it. I wish that we had more time to do stuff. But alas – <laughs> this is the situation we're in. Next week, we have an exciting treat for you guys because we are going to give a eulogy to Generation X with a special guest named Christina Strain. It's, I'm nice. I'm really pumped about it. Till then, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!